Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Thursday night, June 2nd, 2022. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by uh, my my number one young hitter. It's Siege Batman. How's it going, pal? I'm rocking out. How are you doing, man? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, you know, it's just been yet another work week. We had uh, Memorial Day weekend last week, obviously. So uh, it was a nice little relaxing time for me getting down to Ocean City uh, you know, just kind of recharge the batteries a little bit, you know, four day work week. It's been, uh, been pretty good for me. It's been, uh, yeah, like I said, just kind of low key. So, um, we, we were talking a little bit, uh, a little bit offline. Sounds like it's been kind of a chaotic couple days for you. Yeah, man. Airport was crazy on Memorial day for me. So no, no Memorial day, uh, no Memorial weekend break for me. And then had a car breakdown. We've been uh, working with one vehicle, trying to get to work at 4am. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a journey. Are you a car guy? Do you like, uh, are you one I'm, of those people? I'm pretty big into cars. I'm very heavily influencing the current car uh, acquisition that's going on right now. What car acquisition? Are you, are you getting a new one? Um, no, my, um, I'm not. My, uh, my girlfriend's car, who which had like 300,000 miles on it, like literally like the engine practically might as well dropped out in the middle of her driving to work one day. So we are um, working on and have secured a very nice um, Honda CRV for her. I'm a very big believer in the Honda longevity, so I was pushing for that. Cool, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Honda fan myself. I actually drive a Subaru though, so you know you just. You I I love Subi, so you you're good on that one for me. Yeah, can't go wrong with the uh, the Japanese make. I, I know it's probably sacrilege for some of my, uh, you know the. Older people in my bloodline, maybe, uh, don't think so fondly upon them for varying reasons, but, uh, you know, <laughs> to hell with that, you know, they make a great car. So I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's enough of that. Um, we're here to talk some Ravens. Obviously they've been engaging in OTAs the last couple of weeks. We had uh, Kyle on the show, uh, I think last week, who's been out there, um, watching them a little bit. I talked to him about hopping on with us tonight. He unfortunately is working over at the bar, so he is not able to come on and provide his, 
you know, just sort of OTA expertise, that, that learned eye of his that is uh, watching the everything go down over at the castle. But uh, the next best thing, you know, we got all the all the firsthand reports. We got our Jeff Z's out there watching things, writing them up in the athletic. We got the, the Ravens.com writers putting stuff out. But uh, I guess I'll just ask you, what's uh, what's being your just overall thoughts, your overall sentiments on this team as we are a couple weeks into OTAs here? Um, I'm excited. There's been probably three things that have like really stuck out to me. Um, Jeff Z has talked about the fact that Jalen Ferguson looks like a completely different dude. And that, that excites me. If, if Ferguson can finally be another, another Ravens edge rusher to put it together in the last year and, um, figure it out, that'll be a huge boost that I was not expecting for this team and only, uh, only further fills an edge room that has got a good bit of talent in it right now, in my opinion, especially if Ojabo can make his way back halfway through the year or something. Um, I liked uh, the James Prochet interview on the lounge was really good. I love hearing his thoughts process. I'm a big, I'm a big pro believer. He's um, as you like to refer to him as Jerry Rice 2.0 and tell you what Jerry's Jerry Rice is going to have a significant role in this team come September. So you, you be ready to put some, um, are you ready to take back those words? All right. And then um, I like what um, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald had said about Patrick Queen. I, a lot of people have been giving me some slack because people were talking about, oh, where does the green dot go if Chuck Clark gets traded? And I said, I mean, Kyle Hamilton is an obvious choice, but it's a hard thing for a complicated defense to hand a green dot off to a rookie. I like Patrick Queen to get it. His his third down role is going to be majorly simplified. And if he's going to take a leap to be that middle linebacker they want him to be, it's going to be this year. So why not give him the green dot? He's already communicating a ton when he's on the field. I, I think he could handle the green dot. I'm with you on that, actually. And, you know, I hadn't written this down. I wrote down some of McDonald's comments, but I think you're. it's a really astute point of view to bring that up because it's something that is a big deal. And Chuck Clark has been floated in these you know, trade scenarios uh, we actually heard today, um, or maybe not today. It might have been yesterday from a friend of the yesterday. show. Yeah, friend of the show, Rita, who said that he's changed his representation um, in the event that something does happen because um, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but the Ravens and uh, his former representation, Joe Linta, it's just not a it's not a great relationship there. That's the guy who repped Bradley Bozeman. Uh, he and I believe Seth Katz, who handles Bradley directly, did not. You know, obviously the proof is in the pudding that they did not do a great job there. Uh, and th- I mean, this goes all the way back to the Flacco days, who was also repped by him. You know, they got taken for a fool on that one a little bit. And uh, it's just been a, a weird, rocky relationship. So Chuck Clark has changed his representation. I'm not sure who to, but it sounds like he's prepping for potentially a move away from the team. As of right now, he's still there. Uh, you've got Marcus Williams kind of talking him up, saying he's a great leader, great communicator, all that good stuff. But I mean, maybe this is just in the service of, jacking up his trade value a little bit and uh, getting him out of town. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you that it's time for, you know, it's kind of S or get off the P time for Patrick queen a little bit. I know he improved last year, but I mean, you're talking about a very expensive fifth year option decision. That's going to be coming up with him. I believe is it next year or two years from now. So, you know, it's time to really time to sink or swim. And I think he showed some really good progress that he was going to be uh, swimming last year. Uh, at the very least, something to build on heading into this year. And I think uh, taking that green dot to your point might be uh, a sign that he's uh, really ready to spread those wings of his. Yeah, I believe I believe this will be his third year 
they can pick up his option after this year and start talking extensions. So he's got the year after, the next year, and then the year after would be his fifth. So, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, you, you touched on a lot there that was pretty good. And, uh, you know, we knocked the Chuck Clark dis- uh, discussion out of the way, too. But you also hit on uh, my guy, James Prochet, too, which is another thing that I call him. Everyone, you know, they, they kind of just skip over that, too, at the end of his nameplate. But I like that a lot. So he's James Prochet, too. He went on uh, The Lounge, a uh, friend of this show, friends of the show, I should say, Ryan and Garrett. They do a great job with that, landing all those player and staff and front office interviews. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone's favorite receiver that's caught like three passes in his career went on there and uh, had a lot to say. And, you know, I really shouldn't dog James too much. I actually, I like James a lot and I liked him when he got drafted. This is just, it's turned into this caricature of like a Jeremy Butler, Kamar Aiken, who, you know, obviously Kamar did some things too, but it's just like the year after year, you get Marlon these guys, Brown, Marlon Brown, who also did them, did some things, but you get these guys that just kind of come through and they generate all this hype and you don't really get much out of it. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I like James a lot as a person. Um, he seems like a kid with really has his head on straight and, uh, you know, very well put together and uh, does it at the very least have some very good hands. But there's been <laughs> been a little bit of buzz that like he's not getting that much playing time in OTAs to begin with, which I think is kind of funny um, quite yet. So we'll see what happens with that. But he went on the lounge and uh, one quote of his that stuck out to me. Obviously, there's a lot of noise, a lot bad, some good around our receiver room. We just want to quiet the noise with our play, with how we carry ourselves every day. You most definitely pay attention to it, whether you want to or not. As a competitor, it does put a chip on your shoulder because you want to prove these doubters wrong. He's proven the doubters wrong. What do you think about that? I think he's got some doubters to prove wrong. He's he's that sixth-round guy that a lot of people... Um, kind of like keep on the back burner. Like a lot of a lot of Ravens fans do like him, but you see a lot of the media, they like they use him as like the Ravens need to get a wide receiver too because they only have James Percy, Devin DuVernay, and Tylen Wallace. Like they need guys. A lot of people wanted Jarvis Landry. And obviously like I'm not comparing them. I'm not. But skill set wise, there's not much different between how Jarvis Landry and how James Percy win. They're savvy technical route runners aren't very fast, they aren't very big, they aren't doing, they, what they do is they run routes correctly, they run routes precisely, and they catch the ball well. So, I'm, I'm looking for James Roche to make a, have a good 35, 45 catch season, make some impact plays, be that guy on third down that you can go to, and he's got the surest hands on the team, and you know, if, if the ball hits his hands, he's one out of a, a, a 10 out of 11 times he's bringing it in. I think he had one drop on 11, one drop last year. So to be clear, so. I, I, I guess I have to clarify this because this is a, this is <laughs> something is coming clear to me in the moment right now, which is funny because I see our buddy Voss, who's arguing with people on Twitter all day long about how the Ravens need a wide receiver too. And I'm like, dude, you're not arguing with anyone. That's a straw man argument. Everyone feels that way, but do you not feel that way? Do you feel like James Prochet is ready to, I, okay. So let's, let's, I've been wanting to put this out for a while. I'm on the belief that they need a veteran. I don't think it's a lack of talent in the room. The thing that worries me the most right now is I think there's a lack of just vet presence. The, the two most experienced guys in the room are Devin DuVernay and James Prochet, both of whom have not been, like, big role pieces. Like, DuVernay's gotten, like, his, like, gadgety stuff, but he hasn't been a piece in the offense, really. Their third-year player. And then beyond that, you've got Bateman, who's a second-year guy who played 
and was a big part of it the second half of the year, and that's it. I think rather than getting a like mainstay, like a wide receiver two who takes all these targets, one they just need a guy in the room who can like calm the room down when things starts when things start to go a little crazy. That can keep the room um, put together, add a little bit of professionalism. I was super against it, but it's looking like it's going to be a guy like Will Fuller. Maybe I'm think I'm kind of on the Julio Jones train right now. Like I think he's a guy that won't command a ton of targets simply because of his health problems, but he's going to be able to go in there. He's going to teach God. He's going to be able to teach those guys how to play. I mean, let's not forget who Julio Jones was and you know what? He can still make a big play when you need him to, as long as he can stay healthy. And you don't need to sacrifice his body in the regular season. Yeah, I think of those options that are still available, I think I'm probably a Julio guy as well. And I think, I mean, he played well in 2020 and then I think nine games that he did play. And then last season was just kind of a wash. So I don't know, maybe he does still have something a a little bit in the tank. I don't think they really would be counting on him to be the 100% Julio Jones or maybe even the 80% one. Maybe if you just get 60 or 70, then you're in a pretty good spot. Um, But yeah, I mean... I do think they need to add somebody. I think Garnett's saying down here that there's a lack of talent. I think there is too. Like, I think James has good hands. He's a good route runner. But you mentioned the similarities between him and Jarvis Landry. Like, I I get that. But Jarvis Landry just, to me, looks a lot faster on tape than James Rocher does. And I don't know. I just think that's something that, unfortunately, you can't really teach. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, James James Rocher has some sneaky, like, I remember being obsessed with James Rocher back during that draft process because I couldn't figure it out. Like his 40 time was not great. He didn't have like any amazing athletic traits, but SMU ran him on a ton of like screens and little things. And he consistently found ways to reach the first down the end zone while clearly looking slower than other guys. Like other guys would catch him and he just kept racking up yards. And I never understood. He caught everything that was thrown to me. He would make all these acrobatic catches. So I'm, I've been big on James Frochet since before the draft. I think it was somebody had like put out a thread like early April before the before that draft. Like who is the guy that like just intrigues you the most? And I like had said like James Frochet finds a way to win despite just being a just he's just a football guy. Like he's not athletic. He's not like super crazy fast. He doesn't have that one thing besides maybe his hands. And he just still found a way to get open to catch the ball and to house it a lot at SMU. I think all that's like fine and great, but like, I don't love that as like my third receiver. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. And then I'm, I'm also expecting a huge leap out of Tylen Wallace. So that's, that's the other thing for me. I expect Tylen Wallace to take a giant step forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's a little bit of a forgotten man in this group. And uh, I do think there is talent there. And I think there's a little bit more explosiveness there. I actually, I remember saying like a long time ago that he, I think he is like what Ravens fans think James Brochet actually is like talent wise. I think he's kind of maybe a little bit more of a better version of that even. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we do get that out of him. But uh, I mean, there's, we've talked about it ad nauseum. We're going to continue to talk about it and hopefully they just make a signing soon so we can just have some real concrete things to analyze, but uh, moving forward uh, to the Greg Roman presser. So uh, Lamar Jackson, not at OTAs. I don't know if he's going to be there. He like made a, a tweet about, how he couldn't wait to get back out there. I don't know if he meant training camp or what. Uh, it's just always a journey with Lamar when it comes to Twitter, so who knows. But he's working out with uh, Adam Dedu. Uh Adam Dedu does not have the Ravens playbook, um, so they're not really working on that kind of stuff. It's just pretty much mechanical by the sound of it. So uh, Greg Roman, who uh, has never said anything at a press conference that's come back to bite him in the ass, said, quote, 
I went back and changed some things and added some things. There's definitely some things that are new that we haven't done. There's also a bunch of things that are pretty well, that he's pretty well adjusted to speaking about Lamar. It's probably 80% stuff he knows, 20% stuff that we're looking forward to working on. So this is kind of an interesting discussion because I think Spenny had a great tweet thread about um, somebody putting out Roman's 2014 playbook from when he was still with San Francisco. And um, by what Spencer has told me, he's had his hands on that for a long time. He said, it seems like there is a lot of that in there is like still with what you're seeing. And he summed it up basically by like people's criticisms of Roman always seem to come down to, oh, it's too oversimplified. It's too this, it's too that. It's just not like um, complex enough for or to beat NFL defenses, modern NFL defenses. And his argument is basically like, no, actually like read through it and look at this stuff and try to come away with the conclusion that it's not, or it's like not overly complicated. And like, that's kind of what's, Maybe the issue here is that he's confusing some of his young guys and that he needs to pare things down a little bit. So, you know, maybe there's a misunderstanding of X, Y, or Z in regards to this playbook, but it sounds like he is uh, tweaking things a little bit. So what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, the vault master here making some changes to the playbook? Um, I think it's needed simply because you just, one, you just have to adjust every year. Um, I'm really happy you brought up Spencer Sweet. I was going to bring that up. If you guys, if anybody hasn't seen that yet, that's a really good thread, uh, really good thread to go look through. Um, Spencer, obviously, a very intelligent guy, kind of breaks down the playbook and what's going on. He like he shows like different routes. They have like the, for the route concept argument, it's destroyed by that playbook. Like they've got everything in there. It's a matter of that Greg Roman's playbook allows receivers to make um, make their own choices. And there's one specific play that I remember seeing where both receivers are allowed to break at the same direction if they see certain things. And obviously, if they break the same direction, you're not using the whole field. They're both, like, taking up the same area, and that's where people, like, get upset. Like, oh, look at these guys. They're running the same route. They're not using the whole field. They're getting in each other's way. Well, maybe that's what the receiver saw and decided to do, and that's where practice comes in. They need to be able to, like, communicate with each other and decide who goes where. But I think a simplification for, again, we talked, we just talked about it for young guys third year, second year guys is needed. So um, we'll see what actual adjustments come. We, we, he talked about opening up the vault last year. I don't think we ever really saw that besides maybe one or two cool little nifty things with Duvernay. Um, so we'll see what actually comes, but I think an adjustment is needed no matter what. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, no matter what anyone thinks. And I mean, this is something that I think just happens every year regardless. So of course he was going to make some changes to the playbook uh, just so he's not running the same things out there every single year. So an 80-20 split probably sounds about right to me as far as that goes. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens as far as Lamar picking all that stuff up. Spen and part of Spencer's tweet was saying this is why practice is important with this playbook. So 20% of it being different, that might not sound like a lot at first blush, but it might ultimately be. So, you know, everyone wants to say Lamar not being there, not no big deal, all that kind of stuff. I totally get it from a PR standpoint or whatever, but it will be better if he was there. I mean, like just straight up, like it would be because he would be getting his head into that playbook a little bit and getting physical reps with his guys who he has gotten reps with over the offseason, like Bateman and stuff, but... I don't know. It just it would be better if he was there, in my opinion. We don't have to dwell on it too much, but uh, yeah, just kind of whatever. I, I summed it up really easily. I, I said, like, me as a person, I'm an anxious person. Like, Lamar not being there, it's going to make me nervous just because he's not there. Like, that's like, you just never know what that really is about. So I'm going to worry about it. But at the end of the day, like, 
If Lamar wants to win the Super Bowl as much as he's saying, you know he's out there working, you know he's going to be there at mandatory OTAs. I think like Marlon has said he will be, uh, Bateman has said he will be, Lamar has said he'll be there in the next couple days. So like he's going to be there at the mandatory stuff. I know like on his Instagram, he's been working out with like a bunch of fitness guys and with the QB coaches. So if he wants to win the Super Bowl, he's going to be working. So I have faith in that at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm with it. I'm with it. But, you know, it's just it's like maybe if he was if he was there, then, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And I feel like everyone is better off for that. But it's OK. It's, it's decision. Everybody might be breathing a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Uh, OK, so switching over to the defensive side of the ball, it sounds like from what we've heard from some some of the players, uh, they're focused on getting more turnovers, which I feel like this is kind of a cyclical thing with the Ravens defense. Weirdly, where like they'll have a year or two where there's a little bit of a, a turnover drought or they don't get as many interceptions as they want. And then they like go into that OTAs or training camp. and They're like, oh, we're doing drills with like juggling tennis balls and shit. And that's going to help us like get our interceptions <laughs> dialed in and that that whole thing. But uh, and then they actually they like when they have an offseason like that, it feels like they do go out and get more turnovers. So maybe um. Maybe this maybe will be implemented every year. Yeah, maybe this will be a process. No, I don't think that's how it works. I think it has to be a, a cyclical thing. It's like, uh, I don't know who, who could say, but yeah, I mean, so they make some additions, obviously in the offseason with Williams, with Hamilton. They just added Kyle Fuller a couple of days ago. And so Marlon Humphrey um, of Twitter fame gets asked about the possibility of being the best secondary in the NFL. He says, quote, I would love to prove it. That's the biggest thing for me. I would love to make that statement be true. Then he goes on to emphasize that kind of aggressive approach for the summer. And uh, he says, there are just so many things I'm excited about this year. I'm excited to see PQ take a big step. I'm excited for me to take a step getting back to where I was. I'm excited for Marcus to get back healthy. Just so many different guys that I see leading our defense and making those plays. I think our turnovers are the name of the game. You can't go too crazy in OTAs, of course, because of contact. But I think in training camp, we're going to be some pests on the offense. So he says you can't go too crazy in OTAs. Don't tell that to John Harbaugh. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, I mean, like, he's right. They have to prove it. They were the worst secondary last year. So you can't just come out there and say, like, yeah, we've got, we are going to be the best. Like, there's there's a lot of, like, we this, this defense is going to be under a microscope this year. I think more than it has been in a long time. New defensive coordinator, a really bad la- uh really bad year last year, a giant free agent acquisition, and then another acquisition high in the first round. Um, Justin Houston coming back, the whole Jalen Ferguson thing, another big pass rusher with, with Ojabo coming in. Like, this defense is a, this is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is a, okay, let's, let's add some electricity back into this defense and let's get back to where we were. Like, they they are putting a lot of chips on this defense rekindling, and if it doesn't work, there's going to be a lot of discussion going on in the front office. Yeah, and I mean, they not only have they infused them with talent, but they made a very controversial move to get rid of Wink Martindale. Um, and it's interesting. Like, you look at the way that that whole dynamic has played out, where Wink winds up in New York, and then I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, but he has that comment about, oh, well, you know, if he, the lesson I learned last year was don't go – shopping on DoorDash for cornerbacks or like whatever the quote was. And it's like, yeah, all right, wink like that. You're going to be wink and you're going to say shit like that. But at the end of the day, like part of the reason they got rid of you is because they were frustrated with your over aggression, I think is some of the, uh, the things that were kind of going around the grapevine a little bit and over aggression when you didn't have the quality to gamble as much as you were gambling. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting dichotomy where he, I think he kind of, 
he pulled back the kimono a little bit there, and I think he showed some frustration with the lack of talent that he was afforded last year and how maybe that is part of the reason why he got fired, which is, I think, a little bit misrepresentative of the fact that he wasn't making use of the, you know, admittedly meager talent uh, on offer to him there. So interesting dynamic, but you bring in Mike McDonald um, to replace him, which you're obviously getting a little bit of a similar idea of a defense. You know, I, I shouldn't say obviously, but probably considering that, McDonald learned under Wink, and he was asked about scheme versatility and kind of moving guys around, and he said, quote, it's too early to tell. We have so many great pieces, and the way we're trying to teach the system is so conceptual. We're really not asking them to play positions, per se, all the time. Guys are expected to learn what that play call entails. Right now, to say where someone is going to be given a certain situation is probably way too early. It will change by situation and by game plan, honestly. Our goal as coaches is to find the best 11 guys in any situation and be able to get them out there so they can go play. I think that's why we're trying to teach it the way we're doing it. I feel like this is kind of becoming a little bit of a cliche, the idea of positionless defense and all this stuff, but it feels like maybe that's true for a reason, and maybe we really are approaching this hybridization of defense in certain positions, and safety in particular, I think, is one of them. And I think that his comments here and then maybe some of the moves they've made to really maybe even arguably over-invested safety this offseason maybe speaks to uh, some of the things that – some of just the, the crazy shit they're going to be doing with these guys. What do you make of these comments and uh, what you're excited to see about versatility-wise from this defense? I like I like the positionalist thing. I have to say, when Kyler – when uh, not Kyler, when Kyle Fuller was signed – the biggest takeaway for me is wasn't even like the word positionless. It was the word matchup. I think it takes this defense to a 100% matchup based team. And I'm not just talking like in a game. I'm talking purse every snap. They can line up the best 11 guys. And it's not like, it's not the, well, it's the best 11 guys, but it's always the best 11 guys. Cause we have, it's, they have, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys that they can rotate through at, and they've got a bunch of guys on the defensive line they can rotate through now. There's middle linebackers a little short, but they've got a bunch of edges. And if Jalen Ferguson breaks out, that's even more. And then the secondary is absolutely loaded. They are a hundred percent matchup based defense right now. Um, uh, Twitter account, all 22 films, I think it is. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Can you help me out huddle, here? Huddle it up films, do you mean? Jason? Huddle it up. There, yes. Yeah. Coach over there. He did a really good breakdown on Mike um, Mike McDonald's defense over at Michigan. And the biggest takeaway for me was it if I'm going to sum it up, but everybody should go watch that video. It's a very, very in-depth video. He does great work over there. Um, the biggest takeaway for me was that Wink's scheme was about pretty basic coverage in the secondary guys were going to press their mans they're going to they're going to cover they're going to try to be a blanket give time up front and then the guys up front are going to be the guys who are being different they're going to be the guys who have versatility there's going to be a lot of mismatches and uh different looks and trying to like confuse offenses and, that, and like eventually it just didn't work like the smarter qbs are going to be able to pick that apart a lot faster they're the better offensive lines are going to be able to uh buy time for those good qbs the biggest defense is that it's pretty much flipped with Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is going to throw his front seven guys up there. He's going to ask them to win one-on-one. -on -one. Those, like, Oway is going to have to win on one. Travis Jones is going to have to win one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Campbell, when he's got his chances, is going to win one-on-one. Everybody up front is going to have to win on one-on-one. -on -one. 
The change is that all the versatility and changes comes in the secondary. It's multiple coverages. He ran so many different coverages in the same game all the time when he was with Michigan. So I'm excited to see how many combinations they can come up with with that secondary, combining the three safeties, all the corners, the inside-outside versatility of guys like Marlon, uh, Kyle uh, Fuller, um, Brandon Stevens, excited to see where his role goes to um, and see where they take this secondary because the secondary is the key for me. Yeah, it's going to have to be. And um, I think, yeah, so I think it was at all underscore 22 underscore NFL underscore cuts. So, uh, yeah, go and check that out. I, th- I watched a little bit of it as well. Um, and, yeah, I, I had mentioned Huddle It Up Films. You can check him out, too. He's a friend of the show. So, yeah, it's all uh, it's very exciting stuff, man. And you mentioned Jalen Ferguson a couple of times. If this thing happens with him, like, I'm just going to laugh my ass off. Like, this franchise, like, I'm, this I'm guy, pushing the agenda. I'm I mean, pushing the agenda. This franchise does it. It would be, that would be unprecedented, though, because, like, some of these other guys that did it, they had shown at least a little bit of a propensity to, like, do literally anything in their career. And, like, we have not seen literally any of that from Jalen Ferguson <laughs> quite yet. And so, like, the fact that he's showing up and Jeff Z is tweeting about his phys- physique and Spenny's getting all hot and bothered. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's very <laughs> funny to me. And I, I do hope we get something material out of it because it would be uh, a fun storyline to watch him um, just go nuts this year, then go get paid by the Dolphins and do nothing for the rest of his <laughs> rest of his career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all we got. Uh, we already touched on the Chuck Clark representation thing. And then uh, Raven signed Brett Hundley. They got a, you know, a Huntley and a Hundley now and no Lamar That's Jackson. That's not going to get confusing. No, not at all. So uh, you're a big Brett Hundley fan, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. I loved the way he played in Green Bay against us a couple years ago. I loved that performance. It was awesome. You were really fixated on that. You brought it up, I think, on Twitter and in the Slack chat. Yeah, I, cause I was I was trying to confirm that it was the same that it was the same guy because I was pretty sure he was. I actually kind of liked him at UCLA. He was, I think, a fourth round pick of the Packers. So it's kind of like, oh, the Packers, you know, they they take these late round guys and they turn them into something that they can trade. And um, yeah, no, that that game <laughs> against uh, that game against the Ravens defense in 2017, uh, amidst a, an otherwise forgettable season, I, I always forget that they went there and they played in their white uniforms. And I think Mike Wallace had this like contested end zone uh, or this contested touchdown catch and the defense obviously yep. just smothered Brett Hundley, but I don't know. He can move around a little bit. He's been a backup in the league for a while. I, I don't hate the move at all. I feel like it's a, a good scheme fit and a guy I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, it's a good scheme fit. They need another army camp with Lamar not being there and he'll be able to push Tyler Huntley maybe a little bit who apparently has been slinging the rock pretty well over there. And um, hopefully maybe they can sneak him onto the practice squad and have an emergency QB. Yeah, definitely. So that is uh, all we've got, buddy. Anything else uh, before we, we uh, get rolling here? Um, College World Series, baby. I'm excited. It's about all I have in my are brain your, right now. Are your, your Aggies in this one, or what's going on there? They are the five seed overall right now, hosting a regional. Same with Maryland. It's going to be a fun College World Series this year. Damn, I got I to gotta get into that. I, I feel like I want to like college baseball so much. And like the, the College World Series is really fun from what I have watched of it, but I need to get more into it with Maryland hosting a regional. Maybe that'll give me an excuse to uh, flip it on this year. But uh, they um they sold out seats really fast. That place is going to be packed. Mm, okay. I don't even think they have tickets on sale anymore. 
I think the I, I think the Exit Fifty Two guys might have done an interview with somebody in that program. They did. They did with the with the um, I believe with the coach. I still have that on my on my queue to listen to. Yeah, but I believe yeah. it was with the Maryland baseball coach. Yeah, me too. So I'll have to check that out. Maybe when I'm working tomorrow or something. And uh, yeah, that's that's fun, man. I'm I'm excited for that. I'll I'll, I'll get into that. I, it's big baseball it, guy. Do we want to bring up uh, the unfortunate news with Grayson Rodriguez? Talk about that. I, we can. I like <laughs> it, it. Just I don't know. It just feels like just another punch to the gut, but it's also kind of like if they were, he, you know, they could have called him up and he could have had the same thing happen. Like, it, it would, it would literally would have been the same thing. Like it's no different. I don't, so I will full admit I'm full deep into Orioles Twitter as well as Ravens Twitter. Oriole, Orioles Twitter is much better than Ravens Twitter as far as like toxicity. Like Orioles, Orioles Twitter is just a bunch of fun. There's a bunch of deep fried memes that happen after wins. They're a lot of fun. They're, uh, I've they been are, saying, uh, I've been they're saying absolutely uh, losing it right now with Adley, Adley struggling in the first 10 games and now Grayson's hurt. Everybody's like, panicking. Well, I've been saying it for a long time, even on these airwaves. I think you can go back and find it that Orioles Twitter is like my favorite collection of people in the world. And like, not the, not necessarily the toxicity side of it, but like there are people that are even above the toxicity, like shout out to our main hitter, Jordan, uh, shout out to, uh, will, um, Orioles haiku. Who's, uh, Orioles. He's, he's awesome. He's, yeah, he's he's a great kid. They, they Oriole, uh, Orioles fans problems. Orioles fans. Yeah. Orioles That's, with a Z at the yeah. end. Ryan Blake does the fan problems thing. I think so. Yeah, it's just a, a fun group of people. They really kind of they've learned how to weather the ship of misery and adversity and just kind of laugh at themselves a little bit in a way that Ravens fans who are just self serious and have this chip on their shoulder just are incapable of doing of doing which yeah I love I love both of them for for and different then, reasons yeah and then RDT is obviously over there one of the exit 52 guys yeah and he's just he's having all the fun in the world he tweets like he has you know big news the other day I text him literally right away and he's like LMAO and then the next tweet is Adley Rutschman so it's like you know everyone's just like <laughs> trolling each other and having a good time it's just a wild west but listen man they're pushing they're up right now on the um who are they playing the Mariners um so yeah they had a big one last night so that, that, that one last night was fun yeah I didn't watch last night but I watched the night before when they just got absolutely shellacked so that one was a little less fun <laughs> yeah that wasn't so great but uh yeah they're they're up right now so I guess we can uh you know if you if you got anything else you want to say on baseball or we can go watch that game what, what, what are you thinking Grayson will be all right nobody freak out it's just a just a strain it'll be fine let's go watch some baseball baby yeah I heard uh I saw Melanie Newman tweeting that uh six weeks might be a timeline with laser therapy so Freaking lasers and and, and everybody's going to freak out. But the thing you have to remember, pitchers take a lot longer to warm up. It's a very unique motion. It's very straining on the shoulder. So he's going to be shut down for six weeks. And then it's going to probably be another month, month and a half of just ramping him up like down in Florida. Like pitching is a very slow process. So nobody freak out. Take it slow. Adley's going to be all right. Everything is going to be cool. Well, that's what sucks about it. Like if he had been ready, like he was ready now, obviously. And like if they had decided, uh, yeah, and was. if they had said like, all right, we'll give it three weeks. We'll let some of this Adley hype continue to like carry us along. And then when we need like a big PR thing, we'll call him up three weeks from now or whatever. Now it's going to be like eight weeks at the absolute earliest, like maybe, probably longer. And maybe, maybe, maybe that means we get DL first and. Yeah, could be, could be. Listen, I mean, they, they got a lot of guys in the hopper. They got a lot of guys down there I'm excited to see. Orioles, everybody stop freaking out. Just have fun. This is this is the 2011 to 2012, all right? This is this is that year. This is the year where they don't do well, but there's going to be a lot of fun. And then 2012, suddenly, look at this. We're, we're pushing for stuff. We're winning series a lot. And I don't know, Jim. They're, what are they, six games out of the wild card right now? They're, they're, they're not that... It's fun. It, they, they'll, they'll drop it at some point. The, the pitching won't be able to 
be able to keep it up. But man, I'm I, this is the most fun Orioles season I've had probably since 2014. I mean, it's well, 2016 was great, but I like 2016 was fun. Yeah, it, I, yeah, I agree. They're they're fun for the first time since 20 since 2016. So yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a long ass. And they time. just did they just did an awesome video on the on, from JJ Hardy on the Delman Young double, which that video still gives me chills every time I watch it. So if nobody's seen that, go to the Orioles Twitter and watch that. Yeah, I gotta, that was awesome. I got to go check that out. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, okay. So I guess that's enough baseball talk. Then we'll we'll check that out. We'll go check out the game that's going on right now. Thank you, as always, for joining, buddy. How about you go ahead and plug your work, plug your social media before we get going here? Um, at perp underscore black veins. I have a um, I had a video idea fall through with um, a good friend, so that's not happening. I'm going to do a very, very detailed thread on Jalen Armour Davis with about 12 plays picked out going through each one. Um it's going to be very detailed talking about what I think he needs to work on and why I think he can be a big, significant piece. So everybody keep a lookout for that. I've just got to find the time to screen record each one of the plays and do it. Uh, I've had this in the bag for a while, and it just the video didn't work out. So um, I'm going to just do a big Twitter thread on it, big film study. Um, I'm very excited for Jalen Armour Davis. Everybody knows he's probably my favorite pick in this draft. So keep a lookout for that. Cool. Absolutely. Well, appreciate it. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Thank you guys for hanging with us on a Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever it is that you're listening. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Super Bowl out of me. Need that. Need that.